That'll leave a mark. That's a phrase that I often say to myself as well as my kids as we may uh, clumsily trip over something or bump into the wall in the middle of the night. But even more profound in my mind's eye is a surgery that I had a couple years ago. And as I was in the pre-op room, I noticed that they took a Sharpie and marked where they were going to make the incision. Therefore, marking off where to operate versus where to not operate. And that gets us a little bit closer, I think, to the image of our text tonight. But even more profound, I think, is the results, whether it be of a successful surgery, whether it be of a good book, uh, a profound conversation that we had, or even a relationship that we're involved in. Did that line, did that circumstance, did that moment, did that relationship leave its mark on me? Certainly the Word of God, I think, has that effect upon our lives, whether it be the written Word, the spoken Word, or even the living Word, certainly. God has marked off from the start of creation that created order through the spoken Word and has then also marked off us as a people of God, those whom He has recreated as His own people for His own possession, as First Peter 2, verse 10 says. Let's see how this Word is supposed to leave its mark on us tonight as we look at Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12, if you'll turn there now. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you want a one word or one sentence theme for tonight, I think it would be this, that God's word will have its intended effect, specifically as it marks off those who will believe from those who don't. And we see this carried out uh, through our two points that will serve as our outline tonight. First, God's word is alive and active. And second, that God's word pierces and discerns. But before we jump into the verse tonight, just a a bit of the context. You know, it sits at the end of a constant refrain that we see in chapters 3 and 4. This phrase, today, if you hear his voice. So already, I think we see in that refrain that God is speaking to his people. In fact, this phrase harkens back to Psalm 95 in the wilderness wonderings as the people there in the wilderness, not in Psalm 95, but even back in the Exodus, heard God's word, but did not heed it. It is also this verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 12, at the end of a warning passage, in fact, one of five warning passages throughout Hebrews, which God intends for the hearers of the book of Hebrews to use to propel them in the deepening and strengthening of their faith. And that same word still spoken to them is still speaking to us today that we may hear that word and heed that word and so enter into that rest that God has promised for us. Look back up there at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. And then jump down to verses 9 and 11. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Obviously, we know that rest to have uh, most immediately spoken to that rest into the promised land, that physical rest into that land that God had promised for his people. But ultimately, I think it pointed to an eternal rest, that rest of knowing God, knowing Christ as Savior and Lord. So how is that word supposed to have its intended mark upon us and as we find rest for our own souls? Well, I think first we need to see that the word of God is alive and active. You know, for the original audience, they would have heard those words and had connotations of alive and active, noting that the word of God was a force, 
Testament. You think about Psalm 33 where it says, The word of the Lord is upright, and by the word of the Lord that the heavens were made. God's word, it was alive and active as God spoke creation into being. It was alive and active as God gave the law to Moses as the only rule of the righteous. It would also be an active force as it spoke a word of judgment all throughout um, the scriptures. But it's also living and active in the illustration there you see of it being a double-edged sword. That image there of a double-edged sword could be a sword of length anywhere from 16 inches to 3 feet. And oftentimes was used in hand-to-hand combat. The image of a fully armed Roman soldier would have been familiar uh, to the hearers of this letter. And it would have been used, obviously, for, for slashing and cutting. It's drawn upon that image of a sword over 400 times throughout Scripture, uh, most notably speaking to literal weaponry. Uh, but it also carries connotations of human or divine uh, warfare. You think of examples uh, of the sword throughout Scripture. Romans 13, uh, the government being given the sword to wield on behalf of the people. Uh, Psalm 7, verse 12, God wetting his sword in judgment. Ephesians 6, the sword of the Spirit being the only offensive weapon in the armor of God. You know, in a negative sense, that sword could have negative connotations, be it in our literal words or witness as we use those in harmful ways, but it also can be carried out in a positive sense, can have very great force and power um, and have effect if used rightly. So how are we allowing that word to have its alive and active work in our lives? Well, I think by way of application, we need to ask ourselves, do we treat God's word like it is alive and active? Do we stand upon God's word confidently um, as the only uh, confidence and conviction that we have? You know, as we proclaim the gospel, do we trust the Spirit's work in our lives, knowing that God's word is going to be effective in its work in and through us? Because it is an eternal, it is an effective word. As God says in Isaiah 55, verse 10, that his word shall go forth from his mouth and accomplish the purpose for which he intended it. Are we living that word both through our lips and what we say and through our lives and the way that we live out our lives, both not only for those of us who have kids, but also through those of us, uh, all of us really, who are called to be faithful disciples and disciple makers of Christ, those spiritual children that God has put under us. You know, until we can um, be a faithful disciple maker, we have to first be a faithful disciple of Christ. Isaiah fifty nine twenty one, And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring. So that word is to be ever-present, not only in imitation, but also in declaration. So this word, first and foremost, to be alive and active in our lives. But secondly, I think this word is called for us uh, to be piercing and discerning. You can think of the image of piercing much like in the case of surgery. It's a cutting back. It's an exposing, keeping the good and getting rid of the bad. We see this literally and figuratively fleshed out in the next verse. Verse 13, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Think about it. Adam and Eve had one job in the garden. Adam, that is, particularly. He was called to protect and to provide. And in turn, also be fruitful and multiply. And Adam and Eve were there in the garden before sin entered the world. They were naked and they were unashamed. And because of their disobedience, in turn, um, the word of God pierced and discerned their hearts. And spoke to the intentions of their hearts. And so now they were left naked and exposed. Naked and ashamed. That word from eternity past all the way to eternity future had its piercing effect. Not only in creation, but then also 
and calling forth God's servants, whether it be prophets, priests, kings even. It also had its piercing effect as it called forth believers, even called back those who had fallen into sin. But nevertheless, just like Adam, how often do we fail to hear and to heed that word upon our lives? Those times when we've not looked up to God, as we saw this morning in Psalm 123, by looking down at his word and allowing it to take root and to take shape in our lives, to pierce and to discern the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Just as that spoken word um, pierced through time and space in the created order, so we needed that living word to have its effect in piercing through time and space, to fulfill every word that was spoken about him, to be that lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Because, in fact, we had followed our own ways and our own word rather than God's ways and God's word. And just as Christ went to the cross, enduring that scorn, enduring that shame, he would not stay dead. But rather, that word which spoke a created word would then in turn speak a resurrecting word so that those who hear his voice could hearken that voice, hearken that word, and be raised to newness of life. If you haven't heard that word tonight, or if you've heard it but haven't heeded it, let me encourage you to do so by turning, repenting of your own ways and your own word and turning and trusting God at his word as that saving word which brings life and placing your faith in him. You can talk to me or any of the other staff or elders or somebody that brought you here tonight about what that means. You know, we're often averse to the scalpel, often averse to that sword in our lives. And yet it's oftentimes that pain, it's oftentimes that pain brings life. You know, the adverse effects that it would have upon our lives, say if we didn't go into surgery, could be even more damaging, whether that be disease, whether that be a debilitating injury, or even death. And yet, in a spiritual sense, we needed that word to speak truth into our lives, to tell us the bad news, so that in turn, we could hear the good news of the gospel. And we need that word even now to expose our sins, so that we can be sanctified together as the body of believers, both personally and corporately. So let me close tonight with kind of three points of of application and implication. May we be a people of the word, seeking to read the word, to study it together, to memorize it, and to meditate upon it, allowing that word to then transform us into active and alive faith. May we be praying the word, allowing our prayers to be saturated with the word of God, praying that word on behalf of one another. And thirdly, may we be a community marked off by the word, standing upon the confidence and conviction of God's word, allowing that word to be used in our lives to exhort one another, encourage each other, to challenge one another, and to correct one another as we help each other home towards heaven. Has that active word had its effect upon your life? Has it had its effect upon us as we corporately are a witness to the world of that word which we uh, embody and we live out? And has it, have we allowed that word then to leave its mark on the world as we proclaim that word to the world and to those that we are called to make disciples of all nations, all peoples of the world? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, your word that created, your word that sustains, and your word that calls us to salvation, and ultimately your word that now directs our path. We thank you that your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, that it discerns our thoughts and intentions of our hearts, that it shows us our sin, and ultimately then shows us our need for a savior. And God, we give you praise and thanks for that living word that you allowed to pierce through time and space, to live the perfect life that we couldn't live, to take the judgment for our sin, for going according to our own way and according to our own word, and fulfilled every word spoken about him that we in turn 
through his life, his death, his resurrection, may have life through his name. God, make us a people who love your word deeply, who stand upon the truth of your word and proclaim that word to the nations until you come again. We pray all this in the name of Christ and for his glory. Amen.